For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, national championship game tonight. This is Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. Mall Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, I'm Patrick Maher. We're going to bring in our buddy Brock Vereen, who's the best. Big Ten Network, CBS Sports analyst. Of course, that other pregame show on CBS Sports Network on Sundays, 8 a.m. to noon Eastern time, Minnesota, Chicago. You know what? I want to start there. Brock, good to see you, buddy. And we'll get to the game. But Chicago, of course, drafted by the Bears. I, it is really fascinating, the decisions they have in the offseason, what they're going to do at head coach, what they're going to do with Justin Fields. I'm sure you saw it. It's almost like Fields said, thanks to the city, I'm, I'm out of here. What, what's your take on the Bears and what to do moving forward? Well, uh, of course, although it's my job to discuss the NFL neutrally, there's always going to be that 1% of me that wants to see the Bears succeed. That being said, as as much faith as I have in in Ryan Poles, as much as I appreciate Kevin Warren, who we cross paths um, at Big Ten quite a bit, it's the best interest for Justin Fields to ask for a trade and move on. The Bears don't want to be the bad guy. And they're clearly not interested in developing an offense that's going to allow him to succeed. We'll see what happens with Eberflus. Now it seems like he may be sticking around. I don't know. But the fact is, Justin Fields will be better served elsewhere. Just to follow up on that, Brock, why are you specifically saying he should request a trade instead of allowing it to play out how the team might decide to uh, proceed? My belief is that if, if okay. If I'm Justin Fields, and I know that PR doesn't mean a ton, but if I'm Justin Fields, I want to enter my new building saying I'm here because I choose to be, not because someone didn't want me. Now, any GM, any head coach, anyone who has access to Bears film can see, hey, this guy's talented, but I I've, I personally believe fully that choosing to leave somewhere uh, creates a momentum rather than being told we no longer want you. It's, it's, it's so weird that 
both of them know that it's best if they part ways, right? But nobody wants to be the first one, right? I, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship that you were in for far too long. You don't want to be the bad guy. Justin Fields needs to take control of this and say, get rid of me. I want to go somewhere else. I want to have some input on where I go. So hopefully he can have leverage there as well. But this offense has done nothing to help him out. You just scared me. You're still married, right? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Look, yes. Thumbs up. I, I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm. Um, <laughs> do it again. Brock Vereen, Big Ten Network, CBS Sports. <laughs> you better do it again. Um, you're saying back in the day when you were in. I, I get it. Me, me, me too. I'm. Me too. Um, <laughs> The, that couldn't have gone worse. <laughs> no, let's move on. Why? How is it? And this is no disrespect to Bryce Young, but these dudes get paid and women, whomever, they get paid a lot of money to evaluate these quarterbacks coming out of college. CJ Stroud, the four of us would agree, is already a superstar. How how is the evaluation missed? I'm not saying that Bryce Young can't be great. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? It's 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 fascinating because if you remove the Georgia game, right, when Ohio State almost beat Georgia there, I'm not sure if Houston would have taken him. He showed something in that game where people said, oh, okay, we thought he was this guy. He's confirmed he's this guy. But I also can't fault Carolina saying, let's take the guy who played at a supremely high level for longer than C.J. Stroud did. Now, if you watch C.J. Stroud game after game, you realize he was at a high level. But because his surrounding wide receiver talent was better than Bryce Young's surrounding wide receiver talent. It was easy to say, well, Ryan Day is an offensive guru. He'll probably be an offensive coordinator in in the NFL one day. He's surrounded with a bunch of first round wide receivers. Of course, he's going to have success. Um, That's why I feel that Stroud wasn't not that he wasn't appreciated, but why he was always going to have to leap Bryce Young. Because when you think of Bryce Young, you think of a Heisman Trophy. When you think of C.J. Stroud, you think of a singular game, even though that's not actually how it went down. I'm going to put you on the spot. We had this debate before you came on 10 minutes ago. All things equal in terms of players around you. You're taking how many quarterbacks ahead of C.J. Stroud for the 2024 season? Forget Burrow's injury, what have you. Just guys you would select as quarterback ahead of Stroud right now. Just for one season, uh, it's not more than six, right? I'll take Lamar, of course, MVP, Mahomes, of course, no-brainer. I know this is going to upset some people. Josh Allen is a conversation for me. I probably end up taking Josh Allen, but the fact maybe that I'm even hesitating for a moment is is the answer that CJ Stroud that is the is answer. An absolute superstar. No. Yes. CJ yeah, Stroud. Like the fact that you even star. have to think the right. fact that one right. year in, we have to start thinking about <laughs> it. it yeah. I, I think he just now it's, it's well put Brock Vereen. Okay. So national champ. I think we're excited about the matchup tonight. You could tell me what you think, obviously with your allegiance to the big 10, but we have the run heavy throwback Michigan team with the pass forward Huskies. Like this is a clash of styles tonight, Brock. It is, and it's entirely catered to Michigan's benefit. Stick with me here. So 
Michigan takes the field and they're going to eat up clock. They're going to let Blake Corum run through the face of the Washington defense that had some really good games. But I would argue after that Oregon game, not quite the performances from then to now that you would have have come to expect. They're not equipped to face this this Michigan run game. Oregon State is probably the closest equivalent. And Oregon State did everything that they wanted in that first half. Now, there's a cliche phrase that running the ball gets tougher as the game goes on. Whereas Michael Penix can go out there with his three NFL bound wide receivers and score in a whim. But the problem is if you are a linebacker for Washington, you go out there. Michigan has a 14 play series. They ran the ball 11 times. You're banged up. You're tired. You go to the sideline. Michael Penix goes out there and scores in two and a half minutes. You now have to go back on the field for 14 more plays and 12 of them are going to be run plays. The second half is when Michigan will start to separate. It's it's just, it's unsustainable. And the biggest flaw that Washington has and why they have what 10 one score games is because they can't eat clock. They can't close out games. They're not going to be able to help out their defense and say, let's get some rest. Let's eat some clock. We're going to score, but we can't ask our defense to go out there and play 80 snaps and us go play 40. But that's just how they're built right now. And it plays right into Michigan's hand. I I actually had a separate question. I want to follow up on the point you just made. Short intermediate throws, taking time off the play clock. Could that be the equivalent of having an extended running game? And depending on Dylan Johnson's health tonight for Washington, because if you're saying they can't necessarily neutralize the clock. Against a defense that doesn't have the best DB room in the country. Yes. Against a defensive line whose game plan is not going to be rush Michael Penix because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. And this offensive line is great. You're not going to sack him. They're going to be more focused on getting their hands up and taking away those lateral lanes, taking away those, those, those quick slants. It's going to be a completely different defensive strategy than we saw against Alabama. Michael Penix is not going to run anywhere. So, What I'm excited for, of course, as a former defensive back is the world to see, oh, my God, we've been so focused on this Michigan run game and this Michigan defensive line. We ignored the fact this is the best group of four to five DBs who are surefire NFL picks um, in in the coming future. Is Romo Dunze, Polk and McMillan going to get theirs? Absolutely. But this is not a situation where where Penix can just throw it up and expect his guys to come down with it. There are five DBs out there who can, who can hang with all three of those guys. What makes Penix special? His decision-making. I would compare it to Tua Tungo Bailoa. I understand coming off of last night's game, that may not be the best, uh, the, the best comparison, but his offense and Kalen DeBoer's offense is predicated on trusting what you see and getting rid of the ball quickly, right? He can't get rid of the ball in one and a half seconds if he has to question, is that cover three? Is that cover four? No, he has to know. So he has it between the ears and his accuracy, right? A lot of times when a quarterback gets the ball and just wants to get rid of it quickly, it's not accurate because he's so focused on getting rid of it. But his ability to put that ball exactly where it needs to be in such a short amount of time and to be right about what the coverage is and be able to anticipate is mind blowing. And there's no way a quarterback not named Caleb Williams gets drafted ahead of him in this upcoming draft. What do you like about JJ McCarthy for the Michigan offense? It's the perfect offense for him. The, the fact that it's run first, I personally was surprised that there was so much. Is he going to go to the NFL this year, Buzz? He, he's not there yet. Um, he would thrive in like a Tennessee Titans offense. Of course, Derrick Henry's moving on, but 
an offense that's built around a physical run game and maybe taking a shot or two. I would argue that against the Rose Bowl, their game plan had to change. Those first two series, you could tell they came out, JJ's going to throw the ball to win this game because Alabama thinks we're going to run it. And after two series, they said, uh, we need to scale this back and start running the football because this moment is a little big for a for a JJ. So th- th- there's an NFL offense that JJ can thrive in, but it has to be similar to the Michigan offense. OK, last one. Let's get a prediction. We know you're leaning Michigan, but kind of give us an idea how you think the flow of the game goes in a score here, Brock. I see both teams scoring in their first series. I see Washington up at the half. I see Michigan winning 31 to 27 31 27 all right 31 27 book it what would you say Amal? i'm laughing because i have a comparable score but the other okay. way oh okay <laughs> yes fair yes, enough. Look, but look, I, i'm i'm a diehard michael Penix guy he, he started off at iu i loved him there a consolation prize of him winning a national championship i'm okay with that but i have to go michigan but you do have him as the number two quarterback off the board in the draft. Penix. There will be a lot of GMs and NFL coaches who talk themselves out of his unorthodox release. That's what you'll hear from tomorrow to the NFL draft. Teams that are willing to overlook it will realize he's undeniably better than everyone. But Caleb Williams. Great breakdown. As always, Brock Vereen, Big Ten Network, CBS Sports, at Brock Vereen, and happily married on Twitter. Thank you, Brock. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the game tonight. Yes, thank you. Yes, show it. You better. You better. (laughs) We're back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 join us march 20th live from the edge at hudson yards in new york city featuring an unforgettable performance by grammy and academy award-winning singer songwriter and composer john batiste the all-new infinity qx80 is unlike any luxury suv you've ever seen Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller 
host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Sharp Money on a Monday, January 8th. It matters. We got the national championship game coming up tonight. You know, we always, there's always conversations about, as far as the NFL, what's your favorite weekend? And people generally say the next weekend. You eliminate maybe some of the fringe teams. I love the weekend we've got coming up. It's six games, two on Saturday, three on Sunday. I'm okay with the Monday game. I think it's awesome. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. We just talked to Brock Vereen about the national championship game. We will have Steve Fezzik, who will be great on the national championship game in 45 minutes. I wanted to rewind and go back to uh, talk about the openers for these six wildcard matchups in the NFL. Talk about where the boys consider the game if closing and where we sit right now. And just kind of some of the storylines coming out of the weekend as well, because I know Amal wants to go off on Trevor Lawrence and what happened there. Obviously, the effort. You had the swan song for... Uh, Henry, as he was saying goodbye to the Tennessee Titan fans. Let's go back, though, and discuss the next matchup on the board. 147, Green Bay. They needed a win yesterday against a surging Chicago team, boys, and they got it. I thought Jordan Love was very – I'm sorry. I, I know I'm higher than I'm on you two. I thought he was really good in the game. Um, it's a young team, one of the younger teams to make the postseason in history, and they're going to be at Dallas now. Dallas, we know they're undefeated at home this year. The Cowboys' home team totals this year, 7-1 and one to the over. So they're scoring a boatload of points. Green Bay at Dallas. Right now it's sitting 7.5. DraftKings opened Dallas 7. Them all. So they opened Dallas 7, pushed through the key number of 7 to the Cowboys minus 7.5 and 50.5 and on the total. Uh, no, I just want to amend one thing. I'm on board with you with Jordan Love. I was late to the party. I give Samich all the credit in the world. He identified him. You got there midway through. It took me till about week 16, 17, 18. But this guy's really put this Packers team in a great position combined with the running of Aaron Jones. I think this is a dangerous team. 
I, I got to tell you, I'm not trying to be passive on this game, but I think it's a tough number to call. If you said to me I have to play the game, I would lean towards the Packers with the seven and a half. I think Dallas is still a very good football team. Don't take the comparison to can they win the Super Bowl. Just in the individual matchup, particularly with what they do at home, I don't know if there's a team in the National Football League that is better on their home field than what the Cowboys are in Arlington and Jerry World. So for me, I, I can see the argument for Dallas. I think they win the game, but guys, seven and a half in a postseason game seems like a big number. Um, I, I, the other concern I have is Dallas's running game. Lack thereof at times, the inconsistency. Yeah, I think my tr- my truer number would be closer to seven and a half over seven. We'll see what Fezzik thinks as well, what he makes his numbers. Um, Dustin, uh, a response to the Cowboys opening seven here. Jordan Love. Now, Samich, we give him constant praise about how brilliant he was. He threw a freaking dart on Jordan Love, and I told him to his face on Friday because he wasn't going back through Nevada tape. We hadn't seen Jordan yeah, Love. You're right. He said Jordan Love was going to be great before the year started. He wasn't basing it on the preseason. Samich is too smart for that. He threw a dart. He hit it. I think he's special. The arm's a little... The arm's more than I remember at Nevada, frankly. Uh, but I think the people who were high on him coming into the year, and there were a lot of people on this network, including Samich, as you guys mentioned, uh, who liked him, they thought it was because of the weapons. He's actually doing it with a lot of backups, too. Yeah. Like, he's had a lot of injuries he's had to deal with on the offensive line, no Bakhtiari all year. Like, when you factor in what he's been up against, no Christian Watson, who's obviously the biggest play threat they have. He lost Musgrave during the season. They didn't have A.J. Dillon for a while, but he just kept plugging along, pl- kept plugging along. And I think this offense is very inspired when it comes to their game plan. Seems like each week they throw something different at an opponent. It's not the same looks every single week. It's not the same guys going off every single week. I think that's what's impressive about the Packers. And I do, I'll admit it, he's better than I thought he was going to be. He makes a lot of big-time throws when it matters. Like, that's the key for me, is when it matters in big spots on third down, he's making big throws, picking up big chunk plays. And I think he's a good quarterback. Is he a great quarterback? Is he a Super Bowl-winning quarterback? Eh, Probably not. Is he a good quarterback? Absolutely. Uh, As far as this game goes and this number, I want to lean Packers. Because it's over a touchdown, but God, I do not trust that Green Bay defense on the road against Dallas, where Dallas's offense is just a different beast at home. I just want to add to a couple of things that uh, Dustin said. You mentioned the receivers. Jaden Reed out of Michigan State was their leading receiver this year. He's 23 years old. Dontavious Wicks was their third leading. What's oh, the receiver. youngest skill group it, in the league? Well, it's just that's my guy. point. You can't yeah. see him winning a Super Bowl once these kids grow up. That you don't. I mean, I I think he's he's made everybody better. No, I, I agree. And and there was a play yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw the game. Uh, it was late in the game. He scrambles. He hits. I I don't remember who it was. I think it was the running back or it might have been a receiver. They make a big play, get down the field. Um, and that's what, to me, separated him and Justin Fields. Fields made a throw. It was a holding play. would have come back regardless. But it was an incomplete pass in Fields. And on the play with uh, Jordan Love, it turned out to be a big completion. But in terms of this matchup, Patrick, I, I saw you, you said you liked the number at probably seven. Where would you lean? Seven, one? I, I think it's I think seven and a half. I'm talking key number. I yeah. think seven and a half. Better number than seven for this game would be my opinion. So you would probably favor the Cowboys here? Yes. I don't know. I can't push back against it. Dak Prescott has been outstanding. You guys talked about that. This team at home, 
I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a comfort level. And I don't know where you guys were on CD. I didn't think CD was a top 10 receiver coming into the season, maybe top 20. This guy's become an absolute monster. Well, <laughs> the I, funny I, part was, remember, we clowned him because yeah. he said he was the best receiver yes. in football. Yeah. And we were like, uh, <laughs> we laughed at him. He's in the conversation. He, no he's question. not the best, but no. he's certainly in the conversation. I did see Justin Jefferson play against my Lions yesterday, and he reminds you every time I watch him, it's like, dude, you got to add me to this conversation. So. <laughs> Uh, it's crazy. Uh, my co- my coach in high school, he's a really good coach. He used to say loose arm, loose arm, not live arm, loose arm. And that just means like just out of any angle, anything, just the ability just to get it done with the th- that love has that arm, Dustin. Well, he also where it's special. He also has that improvisational sidearm thing and with his with bad feet, if he needs to make a throw on the run where he can do it. So, yeah, I yeah, he's good. Do you he's know what good. he is? Do you know what he is? Uh He's everything they thought Sam Darnold was going to be, like a guy who can handle like yeah. on the fly stuff. Improv is, and, yeah, improv. Yeah, Lafleur as well. Like you said it on Friday. You know, Lafleur spent one year as Vrabel's offense coordinator, and the offense wasn't very good. The offense horrible. was better with Arthur Smith. But Lafleur is a good co- head coach. He hasn't lost a game in, in Green Bay in four years. Well, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying, relatively speaking. And like, like we gave Salah a lot of credit this year. I think maybe we have to go like retroactively give Lafleur a lot of credit because apparently Aaron Rodgers is an unhinged psychopath, and Matt Lafleur was putting up with a lot more than we realized. Now that he's been given a, a bigger platform to kind of shove it down everyone's face, his thoughts on everything. Once once Rodgers got more attention, you realize that's who he was behind the scenes too, and he's an annoying person. And I think Lafleur gets a lot of credit for always staying even keel about that. I think Dustin makes a really good point that the. The dynamic around this team, there's no personality overshadowing the other 52 guys. Or in this particular instance, the coach is not overshadowing the 53. I think it's Uh, really helped this team a lot. Also, I'd also make the case for Jordan Love. He's doing more with these weapons that Aaron Rodgers complained and bailed on than Rodgers did last year. Here's what I'll say about LaFleur. He had less talent and his team was injured on Thanksgiving. That's all you can ever do with a coach is say, did you coach him up? And they beat Detroit. Honestly, I'm not saying Dan. That's not me saying Dan Campbell's a bad coach, people. I'm saying Lafleur came there at a deficit and won the game in resounding fashion. Well, That's I, all. I'm I saying. can't remember an NFL game plan more inspiring than Green Bay came out with offensively in that one. It, it was, was one really of the most good. inspired game plans. Throwing the ball deep. Yeah, you're just right. a quick. And question. he throws a good deep ball. Quick question for you guys. We got the Rams at Detroit. I know we're going to get into that next. Cowboys are hosting the Packers, and then Philly on the road to Tampa. Would you guys be surprised at all if we had a three-game road sweep by the wild cards going to the division winners? No. By the way, you know what I call Philly at Tampa? Boring. Did you hear the crown has a new season out? Because I'll be watching that. True <laughs> Philly, Tampa. <laughs> like, like, I love the crown, and I haven't. Dustin told me they got a new season out. That's called Philly, Tampa Bay. Here's what well, Philly just and we're, we're going to talk about it, but Philly added Matt Patricia as their head coach. This is for soccer fans. That's like playing with a red card in soccer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Meaning, you're down a man. The, the NFL knew that would be everyone's mindset. So what do you think they did with Philly Tampa Bay? Monday night. It's Monday on night. Monday night. So it's the only thing you're going to want to watch. By the way, how about all of us getting screwed who don't live in Kansas City or in South Florida? that are on Peacock Yo, for they, the Chiefs-Dolphins they game. They could not stop running the promo yesterday during during uh, football night in America, Sunday Night Football. 
Just, hey, it's a big deal. There's an NFL playoff game on Peacock. No, that's a big deal for you guys. For everyone else, it's a giant hassle. If you paid $700 million for a game, you'd promote it as well. <laughs> fair, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> we may want to let people know. Because Do you think Kevin Maher in Pontiac, Michigan, that's my dad, knows what Peacock is or Cockroach or whatever you want to call it? <laughs> when we come back, Amal has, a, a, he has something he wants to say about a certain quarterback down in Jacksonville named Trevor Lawrence. I want you guys to think about this question. We just had the conversation about C.J. Stroud. You're starting a team next year, all things considered equal. Are you starting your team with Trevor Lawrence or Jordan Love? Come back and answer it next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get unlimited access to our VSIN.com slash picks page. Amal and I are on Washington tonight in the college football playoff national championship game. For more VSIN Pro picks, become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. So, Sharp Money is going to give you 10% off our annual subscription when you use the prom- promo code SHARP. So, again, right now, we're not going to do this past today. So, if you go there right now, use the code SHARP, you get 10% off for the rest of the year. S-H-A-R-P, vcin.com slash subscribe. Appreciate you. I told you I'd give you updates on the coaching cycle. A little Black Monday here. The day after Week 18 concludes, we'll get back to the playoff matchups. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. Sharp Money, presented by DraftKings. Hope you had a great weekend. This is Ben Volin. We've talked to Ben Volin a bunch. He's credible, right? He covers the Patriots. Am I correct there, big guy? Yeah, yeah he's, he's a big deal. He writes for the Boston Globe and his new article, <laughs> his new article is titled Bill Belichick is practically begging to keep his job. So Billy B is back. I thought about something I said, and I think it kind of was seemed esoteric or weird on Friday when I said that if Bill Belichick was available, it's laughable that any other organization would bring him in at this point. He's 71 years old, though. That's not the point that I thought was esoteric. Here's the point. When you bring in Bill Belichick, you also bring in those vibes. I'm not putting Bill down. He is curmudgeonly. That is what your organization becomes. That's what every press conference becomes. That's what the does that make sense? Like the Mike McDaniel thing down in Florida has is a freaking rocket ship right now, and for good reason. There's a youthful exuberance that's kind of like instilled within the organization. When you bring Bill Belichick to the Carolina Panthers, that is going to be a very somber press conference. I'm not doing that for shtick. I'm literally telling you that's just a vibe, and if that. That's what you want with to kind of permeate your organization. Have at it. Have at it. Because he's a, a coach that obviously hasn't proven much outside of the Brady experiment. And that's not to say he's not a great coach. OK, that's to be fair. Well, I, I think we should hear from Billy B because last night after the game, didn't really want to get into specifics about his future. Kind of didn't really either this morning. I believe his uh, exit interview started at 7.30 a.m. local time, so 4.30 out here. That's what it was originally scheduled for. I don't know if it was moved. That's what I saw last night. But this was him talking to the media about his future earlier today. You know, as I said, it was um, obviously a very disappointing season uh, all the way around. Um, Players, coaches, staff, organization, you know, everybody's not... 
not uh, anywhere close to what our standard and expectations are. So, um, yeah, obviously things need to be fixed. I'm going to contract, um, do what I always do, which is, you know, every day I come in, work as hard as I can to help the team in whatever way I can. Um, so that's what I'm going to continue to do. As far as any, you know, decisions or direction or anything like that for next year is, you know, way too early for that. Okay. Uh, life is serious. I know that. Health, your health is, a, is of utmost importance. Your family should matter to you. Jobs are fun. They're a privilege. It's what we do to get through life. That vibe? That's what you want? And you're, well, ladies and gentlemen, your next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Thanks for having me. I think I'm excited. Like, come on, stop. Uh, the shtick's just old. So It's old. All I have to do is hear constantly about how people say that he's so funny behind the scenes. No. People think he's funny based on context. He's so he's so dry and so basic that anytime he says anything that's kind of humorous, people think think people think it's Seinfeld. You see my point? I don't need to be overcompensating for somebody's bad mood all the time. Go ahead, Dustin. I know you're annoyed that I'm ranting. Go so ahead. he, I don't know if you guys noticed, hair was a little disheveled, shirt was a little weird. That's the same shirt he was wearing at the press conference the night before after the game. Is that intentional? Is that I don't care? Is it intentional? Like, I don't I don't know if that vibe works anymore. I know we all know everyone works hard. Like, that's the baseline we go in when it comes to someone being in the NFL. We know all these coaches are working hard. The need to go back out there wearing the same clothes you wore the night before to not brush your hair. And I'm not saying like he has to care and be vain about what he looks like, but I think he's trying to project so hard that he works harder than everyone else. That he's not taking care of the basic necessities in life as a human being. And I think that doesn't fly anymore in most workplaces, but also in the NFL. Like at some point you got to walk away and like clear your head. Yeah, I think one thing that Patrick brought up a good point. When you bring in a new coach, you want to have a certain vibe and a certain end engagement excitement with the team itself but also to dustin's point i get belichick wants to play things close to the vest i'm not c criticizing him for that but you know we've talked about this at length with sean McVay. sean McVay understands part of his job as the head coach is to deal with the los angeles local media and the national media Bill Belichick doesn't have to make these guys' jobs any more difficult. I know it's not his responsibility, but at the same time, you are representing the team, the organization, and the league. How about a little bit more accommodations in terms of just answering questions? You don't have to give away any specific information. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys both said. Well said. We've got the Rams at Detroit, three and a half. That's crazy. We've got Philly at Tampa, Philly lane three. That's crazy. But before we get to that, I asked you both. And this will lead into Amal's take on Trevor Lawrence. Would you start next year with Jordan Love or Trevor Lawrence? Dawson, we'll start with you because then Amal is going to take off on Lawrence. Well, I mean, there's one of these quarterbacks is a killer. One of them is willing to just gut someone for a win. Someone can make big throws and big moments and elevate the talent around him. And the other one we just keep making excuses for and has yet to do anything at a professional level that warrants the respect he was given as a prospect. I'm going Jordan Love all day long. It's not even a question. Kamal, go ahead. It's it's a tough one. And for me, I'm going to go with Jordan Love for the reason that this is a guy that's sitting on a 9-8 and eight team. It's in the postseason when they probably should have been out of it. They were sitting at 6-8. and eight. 
and he just doesn't have necessarily the talent around him. He's had to sit in a difficult situation, has to fill in the shadows of Brett Favre, then Aaron Rodgers, and Green Bay's under a microscope, whereas you look at Trevor Lawrence, they're in a small market in Jacksonville. This, the scope is not as big there, and so I'm going to go with Jordan Love as well. Well, you have a take on Lawrence, Yeah, huh? absolutely. So let me get into that. Trevor Lawrence, you look at it, he started 50 games in the National Football League, guys. His record is 20 wins and 30 losses. Fine, you could throw out the first year of 3-14 and 14 because Urban Meyer was the coach, and that was a colossal failure. Arguably, arguably, one of the worst seasons ever by any team with a coach who had a, at least a collegiate track record that was successful. You look at the last two years, this team, when Trevor Lawrence has started, is 17-16. and 16. Over the three seasons of the National Football League, real quickly, guys, just to ask you off the top of your heads any guesses in terms of the number of turnovers interceptions and fumbles trevor lawrence has had in 50 games of his professional career won a game 50 dustin 40 60 yeah that's that is an alarming number 1.2 turnovers per game you cannot win a ton of games yesterday against tennessee he had two ints crucial game down the stretch he's just killing this team offensively i don't know patrick if you had an opportunity to watch that game or not but this is a guy who at times looks scared on certain plays. He's not making the throws and the plays that you think are the prudent ones. And I'm not going to put the fourth down play on him at the one yard line where they tried to go with the inspector gadget arm and he tried to go over the pile at the one yard line. It wasn't bow over the top. You've got, Traver, uh, you've got Travis Etienne back there. Why are you not handing the ball off on third down? They run a sprint draw outside, incomplete, no angle to throw the football. I just think when you look at him, he's gotten a lot of credit for winning a national championship as a freshman at uh, Clemson, getting back to the national title game there against Joe Burrow, and they lost that game. Number one overall pick, and rightfully so. But guys, when you start to look at the stats and you really look into the numbers, he got a ton of credit for that second half against a fired coach in Brandon Staley. This is a guy, let me reiterate, 20 and 30 as a starter in the professional ranks, 17 and 16 the last two seasons, but more importantly, 50, six, excuse me, 60 turnovers, and you guys talked about it. 39 interceptions in 50 games. You can't win with a quarterback that's that inconsistent. He shouldn't automatically get a long-term contract from the Jags just because he was the number one overall pick. I don't know if he's putting them in a position right now to be able to win. You got Richardson, Stroud in this division. The division has gotten better. And who's the other? Uh, Tennessee's kind of in flux at the quarterback position. But, guys, I don't think he's good enough right now to elevate them in a very competitive AFC. Okay, but what I heard from you as well, and, and yeah. tremendous points all the way around, but I also heard questions about scheme. Yes. That brings yes. us back to our conversation on Friday where I threw a wild card at you boys and said, Doug Peterson. It, it, Doug Peterson. Like, some of that goes on Peterson as well, right? No, a lot of it goes on Peterson. Absolutely. Okay. It, it just feels like he is a good guy that knows ball, that comes in and there's an initial exuberance and then it fades quickly. Philly got rid of him pretty quickly after an insane win in the Super Bowl. Can I give you guys two college names? I know both of you are huge college guys. Is he Larry Coker slash Gene Chizik? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, Larry Coker. it's very much Larry Coker vibes. Everyone likes him. Yes. He wins you over in the interview because you think, I oh, is a good guy. I want him in charge of my product, my team, my franchise. But when it comes to actually doing the legwork, yes. he's not capable. He's just Yeah, but capable. I'd say more Coker because I think Coker is a good football guy. Ch Chizik is literally just a dog. <laughs>
right? <laughs> like, to be fair, if Gene Chizik was here with a jersey on that said Chizik and a football helmet, I'd still say donk. Like, no offense, bro. It's called Cam Newton. <laughs> Fezzik's next. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but with all that anxious energy, they just won't go to sleep. This was my kids every night. But I did find that stories calmed their mind and gave them something to focus on. So six years ago, I created the kids' podcast, Bedtime History, to help solve that problem. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. We have episodes about Jackie Robinson, Neil Armstrong, Maya Angelou, and Sacagawea. Episodes also include topics like space exploration, engineering, the rise and fall of civilizations, and major events like the Civil Rights Movement and the Transcontinental Railroad. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. This week, join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who are in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, bet $5, get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the promo code Vegas at DraftKings. It's pretty simple. Download the DraftKings app, use the promo code Vegas, bet 5 bucks, get 200 plus all bettors every day. 
at DraftKings. Get a no-sweat same-game parlay. Catch you back here. Sharp Money presented by DraftKings. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. Hope you had a nice weekend. We've got a good one on tap tonight. Steve Fezzik, our buddy, professional handicapper, is going to be joining us coming up in 15 minutes. My bad. I jumped the gun on Fez. He'll have plenty to say about wildcard weekend. He'll have plenty to say about what's going down tonight as Looks like Michigan's getting bet a little bit here. You heard Brock Vereen earlier on the show say he's all over Michigan. He seemed very confident about Michigan. But last time Dustin checked, 11 of our 16, excuse me, 15 experts over at vsin.com are on the Huskies. So do with what do with what you will with the information. Okay, boys. We're going through the opener at DraftKings with these six wildcard matchups and then where the number sits now and where we think they're going to close. Next up, the Rams, of course, the return of Matthew Stafford at Detroit. So this number opened Detroit three. It's been pushed through the number. Actually opened Detroit three and a half at DraftKings, bet down to three, and now bet back up the three and a half. Now, you could take a lot from Dan Campbell. I, I won't even put you two on the spot, but you know my head coaching challenge. If your head coach was to be let go by your organization today, would one of the openings immediately scoop them up or would another team fire their head coach to take them? What Dan Campbell has shown last Saturday in Dallas and this Sunday at home against the Minnesota Vikings, nobody's scooping him up. He's a great guy, and the shtick is awesome for Detroit. But pretending, and now Sam Laporta, and you guys can argue with me as whether or not you think Sam Laporta is the most important offensive weapon for the Lions or the second, but it can't get beyond two because he's a security blanket at tight end. The rookie he's one of the great. He would be the best tight end going into the postseason. The idea that you continue to play these guys and Laporta is going to be day to day, but the diagnosis has no bearing on whether or not he should have been going for it. He needed Dallas to lose as a 13 point favorite. He needed Philly to lose as a five and a half, six point favorite, whatever it was at, at the Giants. Cost benefit analysis says let's save these guys and go into the postseason healthy. If you don't have Laporta, that's a huge disadvantage. Three and a half on the number. I'm all. Love your breakdown. I'll take it a step further. Philly had an opportunity to win a division instead of going on the road, could have had a home game, and they basically were conceding from midway through the first quarter. I agree with your point on Sam Laporta, and I would say he's either 1A or 1B. Whether it's him or Amon Ross St. Brown, you can decide for yourself. I want to go back to real quickly about um, Dan Campbell. You said, do you think Dan Campbell has been successful? Yeah, he's done a good job with the team, but he's the right guy in the right city. I, I Would he not yes. play as well in certain other towns? Do you just nailed no, you just nailed it. There's a specificity to the situation. I keep on remarking about my mom's husband. He's a great guy. Grew up at Seven Mile and John R. As blue collar as you could possibly be. Worked at Ford his whole entire life. His freaking superhero is Dan Campbell. That is like there's an identity there with the city of Detroit and Dan Campbell. Amal's point is a great one, Dustin. Like the shtick works there. And I'm not even saying I would move on from them. I think it's so valuable to the Fords and so valuable to the Lions to have that identification with Campbell that I think it's a perfect fit. He would 
on no planet be hired by another team if he were fired today, there's a 0% chance. Well, I mean, remember when he was hired, it was so out of the box for what we were used to. It was around the time where every McVay assistant was getting a job, and here was a guy tied to no system. He learned under Sean Payton, learned under Bill Parcells. He's kind of bounced around, but he's always been a guy that was interviewed for jobs when you wondered, how is he getting these interviews? So I just think his unconventionality, if that's even a word, that's the thing that he does, that he brings to the table that makes Detroit unique and why he's a good fit. I'd also say with uh, with Dan Campbell, what you're getting is he raises your floor because I do believe there's a level of a program builder, a guy who can turn things around, but his inability in big moments also lowers your ceiling. I don't think you can good really point. win a Super Bowl with Dan Campbell. I do think he elevates you, though. If you're a bad team and you're looking to get that next step, like some guys, and it's okay being this, sometimes you're the guy before the guy. I think about in baseball, Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter's the guy who went to a couple organizations, the Yankees, the Diamondbacks. He was fired, then they won. But don't think he didn't make an impact in the year, years he was there prior to those those championships. I think some guys are the guy before the guy. I look at Dan Campbell as the guy before the guy who gets things righted for Detroit, and then someone else is going to have to come in and get them over the top. But he deserves a lot of credit for being someone who's completely raised the floor of the organization. Jared Goff was taking snaps in garbage time last night, bro. Yeah, I like. Th- th- but you know, yeah. I w- you can twist an ankle. Well, just don't be a hardo. Like, I don't think he's doing... Hardo? It's called being stupid. So, no, I... I mean, he's not a stupid person. It's ignorance. It's doubling down on pride. Yeah, that's what he... Keeping the starters in there was not smart. It's not a decision. That's a fact. He's doing it because he thinks it sends a message, but it's counteractive to that. No, but Patrick's... It's it's very counterproductive. But Patrick's right. Imagine if Lamar played on Saturday and he got hurt. Oh. Or something. You know, that's an extreme example because they already had the one seed set. But it's like... The look... Port of injury frustrated me. I, I look, I'm glad the Lions have had a great season. I think the matchup against the Rams is going to be fantastic. Nakua and Cup against that defense. Matthew Stafford on one side. The storylines write, write themselves. But I, this is the one thing that frustrates me. I was actually arguing during the Browns game yesterday in the third quarter when they were getting smoked. I said the Browns should just come out and take knees on every offensive play. If the Bengals want to try and score, let them score. Who cares if you lose by one or 100? You're going to the playoffs, and the Bengals are going on vacation. Well, now you brought up a team, but you brought up a team of all in the Rams who did start all their backups yep. as much as you can with a 53 yeah. and still coached them up in the second half and picked up a W. That's the difference. Campbell, excuse me, Dan Campbell should have been able to do what McVay did in San Francisco to Minnesota at home. Is yes. that fair? Against yes. a backup quarter? Absolutely. There's Gets no Nick reason. Mullins, bro. There's Gets no Nick reason Mullins. to have to play your stars. Now, now you're going to go into the playoffs, which is a Pivotal exactly. year for you in your reign as the head coach of the Lions. You're going to go to the playoffs, and a guy who's helped carry to get you there is Sam Laporta. You're now replacing him with Brock Wright. Brock Wright has uh, 13 whole receptions entire offensive for game 91 plan yards. No, for, forget the whole for, entire offense. Forget game the backup, whomever it may be, Brock Wright, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. Laporta's a difference maker. Yeah. He's difference an absolute maker. difference maker. And just to Patrick's point, a friend of mine asked me, he goes, hey, how come we weren't on uh, Detroit this weekend? Because I said, in reality, they didn't have anything to play for. No, they shouldn't have exactly. been doing what they did. That's why I exactly. couldn't bet Especially in the second half. You don't think I took the Vikings laying a half a point? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe he was playing. They were still throwing the ball deep. I I I was bewildered, fellas. Bewildered. Injuries happen. Cost benefit. Better chance of getting injured than a better chance of Dallas and Philly losing on the same day. That's all. I'm sorry. It's just... And my friends in Michigan were saying the Dallas game was close. I think they won by 28. (laughs) 
They were messing around for a while. It, it was they were just messing around. Eventually, but they weren't going to lose free. that. No, the Philly knew it. I mean, I'm telling you, Philly was down ten nothing in the first quarter, and they were like, "Guys, this yeah. thing's over in Washington. We don't need to well, worry about the game." And then AJ Brown got hurt, and Sidney Brown, and they were like, "What are we doing?" I, and AJ Brown may not play on Monday. Jalen Hurts' finger looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I give credit to Andy Reid. I give credit to Sean McVay. They sat everybody, coached them up, and won football games. Uh, to Patrick's I'm point, sorry. That's a difference maker. To Patrick's point, Travis Kelsey was 17 yards away from 1,000 yards for the eighth consecutive season. We didn't see TK on Sunday. What? Exactly. Why would you? Yeah. History. You. The, the only season that matters is the season we're entering this Saturday. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, sorry, guys. Losing Laporta changes everything everything for the Lions as a guy that was down on the draft pick I was completely wrong and he's a total game changer that is a security blanket that matters on third down you uh you make these decisions as a leader right as, as the head coach when you're kind of just happy to be in the playoffs and that the aspiration should be higher that's what it feels like to me if your ultimate goal is the Super Bowl everything standing in the way which number one is always injuries you have to avoid them. But it's a failure as a leader to understand the magnitude of the situation. Dan Marino has said it many times. He made it the Super Bowl in his second year in 1984 in Super Bowl 19. He goes, I thought I was going to be back many, many more times. To win a championship takes so many things. It takes talent, great coaching, luck, and then you have to be injury-free. And you don't know if you're necessarily going to get that exact same opportunity in another season. There's so many factors, and to sit there and potentially jeopardize all the accomplishment this, excuse me, accomplishments this team has had this year, you can't do it in a game where you're probably not going to get the help you needed. But to be fair to Campbell and the Lions organization, they have a right to be blinded by all the playoff wins in the last 80 years. They've got one. <laughs> so they know how easy you see how r ridiculous this is. Seriously. Yesterday mattered. Not at all. Yep. How is it possible not to see through the trees? How can you not see the forest through the trees? Like, I don't understand how people double down on pride and organizations. These are billion dollar organizations. My man got pushed back to the seven and went for two. That will never happen <laughs> again in, the, in our lifetimes Speak that somebody makes a decision like that. Speaking of lifetimes, the last time the Lions hosted a home playoff game, 1993. Dallas Cowboys. I remember. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, the Tao of Muhammad Ali. 
I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.